I'm John Gormley. Good to have you here. Hey, I did mention, no, I didn't, when I was doing the rundown for the day. What else happens every midweek Wednesday? Saskatchewan's smartest radio listener, 11 o'clock. Okay, let me just say it once. That's all I will do. I wrote the question this week. I was so proud of myself. I went to producer Libby and said, I think I've got a question. And we reversed roles. She needed hints. I stumped her. I stumped her. And then finally, once I gave her a really big hint, she got it. So be kind and gentle to me today at 11. Um, I think it's a brilliant question, but of course, I'm allowed that kind of hubris, mirror-gazing admiration of my... Okay. Down to it, this is the hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes. Well, in Ottawa both to the media and on the floor of the House of Commons. Pretty clear message back from Prime Minister Trudeau. There will be no more carve-outs or exceptions or exemptions on the carbon tax to heat your home. Well, it was a universal carbon tax on everything you used to heat your home until last Thursday when he made a huge exception by exempting the carbon tax on home heating oil. Tom Korski, Blacklock's reporter, watches this so closely, and he's our eyes so often in Ottawa. Hey, good to have you here, my friend. Thank you, John. Okay, so uh, what was the tenor yesterday in Ottawa? We had Pierre Polyev on here quite early. He said, you know, I'm going to go to question period. I'm going to push this. What transpired? Well, essentially, the opposition leader said, well, smart guys, go ahead and call a federal election on the carbon tax. Oh, oh, oh. And today is a cabinet day, and all the reporters in the scrums are asking every minister that goes in, are you going to call an election on a carbon tax? And as you can imagine, there's been much nervous clearing of throats on the subject. I can tell you, John, what members of the government caucus tell me. They say this is disastrous on two counts. Not just the tax holiday if you heat with home heating oil and vote liberal in Atlantic Canada. There's another obscure uh, bill that has been proposed by the Minister of Finance. It's been introduced in the House, which is a GST holiday, if you are building a commercial building and call it an apartment. What's the concern? Government caucus members have told us, when you start getting into the income tax carve-out business or the GST carve-out or the carbon tax, that's you are paving the road to hell. As one MP said, this is an invitation to corruption. If you have a buddy who shoots pool and happens to be in cabinet, you don't have to pay the taxes you owe, but everyone else does. You've said it, John, the whole premise of the tax system is one for all. That's out the window now. It's disastrous. The Prime Minister yesterday, and a little bit of it sounded like whistling past the graveyard, said, well, I've won three elections on the carbon tax. So he sounded like he was fairly brave. Oh, he, he, oh sure, he did win with 32.6%. Something bad is going to happen in April. <laughs> you don't have to be the amazing Kreskin to see this coming. April 22nd, the electoral map changes forever. What happens? This is under redistricting every 10 years. Toronto, liberal-friendly, loses a seat. Northern Ontario, liberal-friendly, loses a seat. They're down two. Who gains? Suburban Calgary, suburban Edmonton will gain three seats. 
Those aren't liberal hotbeds. Vernon, B.C. gets a new seat. Also conservative friendly. Now we're talking five. This is a problem. That's why they gave Atlantic Canada whatever they wanted, because they have 24 liberal MPs. John, they have no place to pick up these seats if they lose them. And they know that. The number, they can do the arithmetic. This is why they dropped the gun buyback plan. Atlantic Canada can get anything it wants. If Charlottetown ever wanted a monorail, this is the moment to ask. (laughs) They will give you whatever you want. Tom Korski, Blacklocks reporter in Ottawa. Okay, we know, those of us who have actually spent time on the floor of the House of Commons, how big a stick Saskatchewan yields. It would be a toothpick often. Uh, so Premier Mo yesterday coming out pretty clearly with an ultimatum. You either start to exempt home heating in Saskatchewan, which is done by natural gas, or Saskatchewan will not collect the carbon tax on natural gas, nor will we remit. Did Ottawa do anything in response to that? They had no official comment on that except to say, well, as the Minister of Natural Resources Wilkinson put it, well, you have to follow the law. Well, we, we, everyone gets that. That tax strike, my opinion, it's just my two cents, is devastating. And we see the effect in caucus. It makes members very, very nervous. They understand the raw politics. They need to hang on to those 24 Atlantic seats. The liberal seats they don't have in Saskatchewan are are of a lesser concern. But there's another issue. Everyone knows that this is a confederation of 10 very powerful provinces, and they run the show. And so the entire program is now, once you say we are never crossing this line, but you did cross the line, now we really mean it, we're not going to cross the line. They're crossing the line. This entire program, I think, is in big trouble. The only comedic relief has been the reaction to me of the true believers who took government news releases at their word, and they were really climate change camp followers. And now... It's like finding out Jimmy Swaggart had an internet girlfriend. Oh, so it was just all about the money. This is that's the only comedic relief. <laughs> it's so true because a friend of mine the other day, and this is not a dumb person, came up to me and said, "Do you know what the carbon tax is actually meant to hurt us? <laughs> and it's meant to make us not drive and not use things to heat our house." And I said, Sherlock, what part of this were you asleep at in 2016? And he actually Uh, looked at me, and he's a bright guy. uh, I live in Ottawa Centre. My natural gas bill has a big carbon tax charge. What about my feelings? This is the problem. (laughs) So where do we go from here, Tom Korski? I think they're going to try to bulldoze their way through the... uh, Parliamentary agenda is not going to play out as they think. 2024 is looking better all the time for a federal election, my opinion. But on the carbon tax, they've already taken this away, by the way, from the environment minister. He is not 
answering any questions on this. It has all gone to, forgive my candor, smarter members of cabinet. But they know when you have government caucus members talking to people like me, I can only imagine what they're saying inside caucus, that this was a disastrous idea, that you cannot go down the path of Greece of giving tax carve-outs to your friends for political advantage. They're, that all can only end badly. But that's the course they, they've set themselves on. Always good having you by, my friend. Thanks for this. Thank you, John. Tom Korski in Ottawa, co-founder, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter, a group of journalists who started their own news service, and people subscribe to Blacklocks from towns large and small across this province, across the country. And with Tom Korski, it's a good way to keep an eye on Ottawa because that's what he does every single day. Okay, the hour of the big stories. Where do we go from here? You might have been following what's been playing out. Saskatchewan setting the tone on this ultimatum. Ottawa responding yesterday and saying there will be no concessions, no special treatment for Saskatchewan people or anybody else heating your home with natural gas. You have to pay that carbon tax, which is generally the same price in a tax as the actual cost of the good is. Work your head around that one for a while. Imagine you had a PST or a GST. You know, you buy a $100 pair of jeans, and they say, hey, the tax is $100 on those jeans. What would you do? You'd lose your mind. Well, the carbon tax on natural gas per gigajoule is exactly, or was till just recently, exactly the same price as that gigajoule of natural gas costs. So when you're... At minus 40, a month or so or six weeks from now, you're paying that kind of tax. In parts of the country in the Atlantic where they use home heating oil, uh, 40% of homes in the Atlantic use home heating oil. Here, uh, less than 3%, 2%. Some people do, and there's even question there. A number of you have said, well, I live in rural Saskatchewan. I use home heating oil. Well, originally they were talking about a pilot project for the Atlantic, then the Liberals began to shift. It looks now like you might be able to be relieved from paying the carbon tax in the handful of places here that use home heating oil. If I were you, check it out. Uh, Check with the Department of Finance, check with Climate Change and Environment Canada, and you might be spared that. For the rest of us, Double down and keep paying those taxes to Ottawa because you know a carbon tax will make the weather better. Work your head around the logic of that if you'd like to. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. For this, uh, and you can give politicians credit for trying to put lipstick on a, or whipped cream on a, you know, you take what is bad, and this is completely of their own making, exempting the Atlantic from home heating oil carbon taxes. Well, guess what the argument was yesterday? You had uh, a couple of ministers uh, spinning this, and now Mr. Trudeau is as well. 
What they've actually done is they have singled out home heating oil as the highly polluting fossil fuel it is, and they're going to eliminate it. So that's why they're giving free heat pumps. That's why they're giving 15000 bucks to anybody who wants to install a heat pump. So they're focusing on home heating oil. And just to give people time to get those heat pumps lined up and ready, you're not going to pay a carbon tax because everybody's going to get a heat pump. Yeah, not... Okay, look... You do your best with what you're dealt, right? So that was the uh, narrative yesterday from the prime minister and a number of his ministers. Okay, so you may have some thoughts on this. Uh, the general spin, and of course, uh, we were chatting about this yesterday, uh, the actual language of the carbon tax is really boilerplate as it is for any federal tax. Uh, You are required to pay a tax, and there are a set of conditions. Uh, Like, if you're an employer making CPP remittances, EI, uh, you must do this. There's a preferred approach Canada Revenue Agency can use to get it from you. Uh, If you do not pay it, there is the power of Canada Revenue to charge individuals in the management of the company criminally. Uh, they can jail you. They can seize all sorts of money from you. They can bring in penalties. And Scott Moe knows this because he said yesterday on this radio program, I said, is it legal? He said, not likely. So Sask Energy is flouting the law or will be if it goes through with saying No carbon tax will be paid by you or by anybody else on natural gas in Saskatchewan. But this is a standoff. And as Tom Korski points out, the provinces under Section 92 of the Constitution, you know, people tend to forget Ottawa's not the parent in charge. There are exclusive powers, 91 of the Constitution for Ottawa, 92 for the provinces. We are a federation of 13 independently empowered provinces and territories, and some powers with Ottawa. There are residual powers, uh, hence uh, we'll turn to the constitutional scholars that Ottawa can assert, but this idea that Ottawa runs you, nope, and especially when it's being run by this walking disaster of a prime minister, you want to be able to stand up and say, You're not the boss of me. Let's get the calls on now. 877-332-8255. And after the bottom of the hour, a couple of stories on flags. One is embarrassing as hell. The other is just annoying. We'll get to that. Uh, Perry in Osler, carbon tax. How do you see it? I see it as Jap Meat Singh has a problem now. Because he's the one that's uh, propping up the government and... uh, when this all goes sideways on him, where does that leave the minority government? Well, he has a signed agreement with the Liberals that he will support them until the fall of 2025. Yeah, but he's going to see that he's going to be losing his support to come next election, whenever that is. So I think he's got to, he's going to end up having to pull a panic button on this. Well, I know the Saskatchewan NDP, which is a, a wing of the federal NDP, uh, Okay, I say this tongue-in-cheek. I know Carla Beck's on the phone working real hard to tell Jagmeet Singh uh, to stop doing this. 
I don't know what her success rate will be, but the you know provincial NDP parties are going to do that. Yeah, so if there's votes splitting come the next federal election over this in BC, well, you know what happens? They get wi- they get uh, wiped out. The Liberals and the NDPs they they lose the election hard. So that of course presumes there's already an election. And under this coalition agreement or supply and confidence agreement, there needn't be one till the fall of 25. I know. I still believe he's Justin Trudeau's going to take a walk in the snow in February here. Yeah, I do, too. And I made that fearless prediction a while ago, right after I made the fearless prediction of a September election. Uh, Abraham, northern Saskatchewan, you've been watching the bluffy St. Marie story. What do you think? Well, you know what? Uh... Now that firestorm has begun, there's, there's a lot of interesting stories regarding uh, Buff, Buffery, uh, Buff, uh, Buffy St. Marie. And, you know, it's funny, there's a, there's a funny story there that, you know, the, the boat that Christopher Columbus came on, that boat was called Santa Maria. <laughs> That's so true, <laughs> yes. You know, it, it, there's, it's kind of, you know, it's coincidental. Thank However, you. You know, uh, that being said, uh, you know, we have an indigenous premier, Wab Kanoan. You know, I, I, I pray to the creator that he's full indigenous. Because if he's not, I don't know where we're going to go from there. But anyways, the point is, I know he's indigenous because he's got a treaty card. And that's that's the real deal. So he's not going to uh, pull the wool over eyes like Buffery, St. Marie. But, but that being said, that's all I wanted to say. It's uh, The firestorm is happening in indigenous country. And I'm telling you, there's uh, so much that's going to be coming out. And, you know... You know, let's just clear this up. Do a DNA ancestry kit and, uh, you know, uh, get the major families from Piapot and get each one of those families, uh, get them, and then uh, match it up with her. And then, you know, let's increase the odds to see how true you are if you got blood or not. Well, it's a good point. And, of course, you can't compel someone uh, to do uh, a genealogical review or DNA or anything else, but... Yeah, yeah, and everybody knows when somebody puts this in play, the next move is yours. If you are an indigenous person, just take a DNA test, then you've defeated the critics. But of course, you know that's not going to happen. Back to the calls. Everything goes here in the hour of the big stories at 877 332 8255 on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Okay, we're going to be lots of, uh, we're going to be lots of talking. Okay, John, uh, you can speak. We will have many calls and lots of talk on the carbon tax. This is a big story. Let me, however, quickly deviate so I can just share my thoughts on two flag stories, one of which is embarrassing, the other is annoying. Here's embarrassing. You run a multi-million dollar school board and you can't afford a flippin' Saskatchewan flag? I'm embarrassed from uh, the NDP who's putting up the questions to all the usual suspects on the left, uh, whiners in the education community and beyond, including some school board trustees. Well, the government's going to make us fly a Saskatchewan flag, and we won't have any money, and we... you got to be serious. Let me fearlessly make this offer now. 
I have quite a flag collection. One of the horrible things about having my wings clipped and living in a downtown high-rise is I can't run flags up and down my flagpole that I did for many years. Average flag you'd fly outside of schools between 80 and 100 bucks. The bigger ones you're moving in on 200, but let's say 80 to 100. Life of a flag is usually a couple to four months. Some will even go six months. I will adopt your freaking school if you'd like. If your principal is that misdirected on local budgets, your director of education is such a... that you can't afford a flag, give me the school. Okay? Just take me the school. It's probably going to cost me maybe 600 bucks a year. I'll do it. And then I'll ask you to adopt that school and that school and that school. You people, every time you say you people, I go, Don Cherry got fired for you people. No, you people being the collective you people who run education. If you can't run a Saskatchewan flag up a school flagpole, you're not capable of God, you embarrass me. Okay, I think that was sufficiently passionate. Okay, second story. The CBC <laughs> has gone through every single news conference Premier Mo and Cabinet Ministers have done in the radio room in 2023. Whew, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of video. Now, apparently, in the radio room, which is where news conferences are done at the Saskatchewan Legislature. At least according to the CEB, and the CBC has the staff and the budget to do this, I'll take them at their word, the Canadian flag appears to have disappeared from behind the Premier. And as you know, what's the rule of flags? Dominant flags always on the left. So two flags, you know, Premier's desk is here, he sits and talks to the media. Looking at it, you have the Canadian flag on the left, the Sask flag on the right. If you only have one, you know, you could have two Sask flags if you want, you can have one, whatever. But last time I checked, notwithstanding our pushback against Ottawa's overreach, notwithstanding asserting justifiably our autonomy in certain areas, last time I checked, we are a province in the country of Canada. That's annoying. Put up the Canadian flag. Don't be silly. Come on, you're better than that. Now, until or unless we and Alberta and northeastern BC start talking about an autonomous region, then you can go all Quebec and just not fly. You know, like now we have the flag all over the legislature anyway. I mean, the Canadian flag's flown at the front. It's in different buildings, uh, different offices and rooms. But apparently, at least according to the CBC, it's not in the radio room where the premier appears and talks to the media. It should be. That's annoying. Okay. Embarrassing that you have school boards and teachers and principals who cannot find a way to fly a Saskatchewan flag outside their school. Annoying, the Saskatchewan government seems to have ditched our national flag. Last time I checked, we're still Canadians. Get on it. 877-332-8255. Okay, we have Dean, Brian, Andy. Um, Let's go to the carbon tax calls. Andy's got a great question on the Canada Pension Plan. But Dean in Saskatoon, the carbon tax and how much we're paying. 
Well, John, really, the reason I'm calling is uh, with respect to the heat pumps, and, and that's what we're hearing a lot about, uh, how that's going to be the game changer, uh, at least as far as the, the livers are concerned, and, <laughs> and uh, that's what we're hearing about. And, you know, my issue with that is that that, uh, that they're not really very efficient. They don't in work. The, uh, yeah, in the conditions that, that a lot of us live in Western Canada and even sub, southern some other parts of Eastern Canada. And I, I, I'd like to see the Conservatives play that card a little bit more because uh, that's all we're hearing is heat pumps, heat pumps, heat pumps, and uh, they don't really work. And the other uh, the other thing that, from from what I understand, is that they're powered by uh, electricity. Yep. And in some parts of the country, that's uh, that's coal burning electricity. Yeah, and so in, in I, provinces like ours, Dean, it's yep. over half of that electricity is generated by natural gas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'd like to see the conservatives play that little that card a lot more because you know in question period that's all that we're hearing is that the heat pumps are going to be the uh, savior for us and uh, we you know that's not the case in in a great part of Canada and uh, you know I think that uh, uh, that needs to really become more of an issue. Yep, you put it very well, sir. It's a little bit like EVs. I'm plugging in my electric car, and you remember the. The funny documentary where the guy's plugging the electric car and it's actually the charging stations being run by a gas powered generator. And then there's the other one where they say, well, where does it come from? It comes from electricity. Where do you get the electricity from that station over there? Okay. And what makes the electricity a power make? How do you generate the electricity? Coal. I mean, so these are all things you and I get it because we spend a little time knowing you know, your nose is on your face. But, um, yeah, don't ever underestimate the public capacity for guile and deception. I mean, this is where a little bit. Uh, let me just riff here. Brian, I apologize. I'll get to you in a sec. You know what the purpose of a carbon tax is. Now, first of all, it was dreamt up by people like Jack Mintz, who now says it doesn't work. But economists like Jack Mintz, theoretical academic economists, okay, remove sales taxes, remove income taxes, and we will have one system of tax, carbon. So your life revolves around a huge tax that costs you four and $500 to fill your car, Costs you hundreds of dollars a month to heat your house with natural gas or coal. So you divert all of that money, and it's trillions, because you also are running governments on that money. So if you decide to live in a world where you pay no carbon tax because you walk, you live in a really scrunchy little high-rise that might have a heat pump, or you might have some other you know, unicorn farts or angel breath or some other way to generate your power, you actually live as a Canadian paying very little tax. Now, of course, that's theoretical. We have income taxes. We have excise taxes. We have innumerable taxes. So the whole carbon tax thing is sort of a scaled down a version of that on the cheap. You still have economists who believe this is the purest form of tax. It's not a pure form of tax. It has distortion built in it. But there's a bunch of young, mainly young liberal economists, and I emphasize young. Uh, a lot of economists who've been around the block a bit look at this and go, oh, my goodness, somebody's getting fleeced. 
But the bottom line is, no matter what you predicate the tax on, this is the principle. Carbon taxes are supposed to make things really expensive for you. Always. That was the plan back in 2015. That's why in 08, when the Liberals tried to do it, Stephen Harper said, you want a tax on everything? I'm not down with that. Stephen Harper trounced the Liberals. So a new generation of Liberals, led by Justin Trudeau, come out, well, we'll give you money, and we'll give you more money than you pay in the carbon tax, which, of course, we all knew was incorrect that it is. But what did people think a carbon tax was? Well, I'm going to pay a little at the pumps, and uh, I'm going to improve the weather. Work your head around that. So let's assume you eliminate completely every single molecule of carbon dioxide that Canada puts into the atmosphere. 1.5% of all human-generated CO2. In fact, a very good point made by, uh, and I'm going to get to it in a sec, uh, a letter writer recently, if you stopped every single vehicle on the road, and again, we had a guest the other day, remember saying, well, I'm doing battery technology because over half of all of Canada's greenhouse gas comes from cars. Yep. So let's not have cars anymore. Let's not have semis. Let's not have anything. If you took every gas and diesel powered vehicle off the road, everyone, we all turned into Charlie Clark and rode bikes everywhere. Do you know how much our total emissions would be down. Significant for Canada's 1.5%. Our emissions avoided would offset 56 hours of China's emissions of CO2. So if you had no cars in Canada, China in two and a half days would have made up all your emissions. But for this, you're supposed to be poorer. And all of us said this at the beginning in 2015. It's just that for some reason, everybody else thought it was magical and was going to fix the weather. Uh, Brian, thank you for hanging on, sir. Carbon tax. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense at all to me because if, if you're paying less for your heating oil, then your temperature in your house is going to go up, not going to go down. So because if I'm, if I'm uh, paying less, for my fuel to heat my house, I'm going to keep my house warmer. <laughs> True. So that I don't understand how they can say that taking the carbon tax off of heating oil is is good because they're just going to use more of it. Yep, absolutely. And when you look at heating oil versus natural gas, on every single measure, CO2, methane, nitrous, it produces significantly more. Yeah. No, good point. And, of course, so this is the other thing we're all getting into. You see, and a lot of people do this. And I, and by the way, somebody said, oh, it's okay. You can, I never laugh about carbon taxes. Carbon taxes are horrible things because they're designed to make you poor. A lot of taxes make us poorer, <laughs> granted. Interest rates, everything else, right? I mean, that's, that's life. But could you look a politician in the face who said, I want your family to be poorer. That's what Justin Trudeau did in 2016. This man shouldn't just be defeated. 
we should talk about a Brian Mulroney, Kim Campbell defeat. By the time the next election happens, there should be two liberals left in Canada. Two. Not going to happen, but this should be the kind of repudiation politically from someone who actually looked you in the eye and said, I want you poor. Andy on the CPP next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Saskatchewan. Thanks for hanging on. What's on your mind on the Canada pension plan? Well, Mr. Gormley, thank you very much for tabling my call. My question and what's on my mind is, what with the current saber-rattling between Alberta and, and the Prime Minister about opting out of the Canada pension plan, and maybe Saskatchewan and maybe B.C. will follow, um, in that transition, if it occurs, what happens to those individuals, the elderly especially, who are currently collecting CPP? Would, would there be a waiting period, a transitional period? Would there be a reassessment period, especially <laughs> for those on disability Canada pension? Would they all have to go through the medical system again to be reassessed to see if they qualify for the provincial pension? And what about those in the care homes whose pensions are paying for that care home? Is there a transitional period? Will they still get paid? Will they be able to be taken care of? That's a very important question, especially for the elderly, who we all know most of us and most of them will live from pension to pension because it's a very small amount of funding. So what really is going to happen? It's a great question. Answer to all of the above would be no, Andy. Um, Actuarially, Right. You can't. Of course, what Canada pension, you've put money in, your employer puts money in, the government puts money in. Right. So or it's usually employer employee. So you've got a huge, big bundle of invested funds. The debate Alberta is having because Quebec has always had its standalone pension fund. So yes. Alberta would say, and the other provinces would say, you know, actuarially, we want to be able to run a pension based on what our citizens like Andy have put in, what their employers have put in. So you would either stay, in your case, on the Canada pension plan now, so the credit would be the province or whoever would say, Andy stays over here. If Andy comes over to a new provincial plan, exactly what you get today is what you'd get then. Does that make sense? So it does make sense. And then there would be no transitional period because we know how sometimes governments will say, <laughs> well, it takes time for the paperwork to get through and yeah. time to process. No, you and can't do a wait. transition when people are getting money every month. <laughs> Not no, going to no. work. Okay. All no. right. Yeah, I just I just thought that was an interesting question. And- it's a great question. And I, I think it's one that a lot of people do ask. Um, now, of course, the issue that they're all saber rattling over is Alberta says, you know, let's say, what's Alberta's population? We're 3% here. Alberta's what? 12%, 13% of Canada? They say they would be entitled to more than 13% of all the invested funds because Albertans are younger. There's more Albertans pay in for longer. So this is all back and forth. But Andy just asked the questions that the average person collecting a pension would need completely answered no, all of the above. 
Because if there was a day of extra pension wait, it wouldn't work. Coming up, busy session around here, first Wednesday of the month, and that means Brian Zinchuk on Saskatchewan Energy Oil. He's from PipelineOnline.ca next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.